everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the post-game show following Bayern Munich's huge 3-1 victory over Borussia Mönchengladbach. And I say huge because I think there was a lot of fear in the fan base thinking that it was going to be yet another bogey game for Bayern Munich, but it wasn't. Bayern Munich did fall behind, but they clawed their way back and had a very impressive showing. I'm thrilled with what I saw today. I thought it was a great effort from the team. Would be curious to know what you thought about it, but we will get into all of that. A 3-1 victory for Bayern Munich. And like we always do when I host the post-game show, we start by taking a look at Thomas Tuchel's lineup. And as you know, Tuchel was out of practice this week for a couple of days with an illness. He was down with the flu, so he wasn't there. But it looks like the team made progress anyway. And when Tuchel took back the reins ahead of this match, of course, he he coached practice yesterday. Seems like he got in everything he needed to see and, and put together what I thought was probably the best possible starting lineup for Bayern Munich for this match. So let's take a look at what that was. At goal, he had Manuel Neuer. Center backs, he had Matthijs De Ligt and Eric Dyer. At the outside back positions, he had Nussar Mizrawi and Alfonso Davies. I wasn't quite sure he would use Mizrawi given that he was coming off an injury, coming off international play. I thought Mizrawi might get a rest, but I'm sure Mizrawi wanted to be in the lineup. Sasha Bue, of course, came in from Galatasaray during the transfer window, and now there is a heated competition for playing time at that spot, so I'm sure Mizrawi did not want to cede anything there. In the central midfield, Tuchel opted to go with Alexander Pavlovich and Leon Goretzka, who I thought the combination was really good today. I'll talk about those two in a little bit. Uh, in the attack, Tuchel did exactly what I would have wanted him to do if I was calling the shots, and that was start Harry Kane at striker with Jamal Musiala and Leroy Sané on the wings and Thomas Muller playing the 10. I thought this was the best possible starting unit for this game. Now, when I made my prediction on the preview show, I did not think Tuchel would do this. I thought he would use Rafael Guerrero in the central midfield. I thought he would start Sacha Bue at right back. Uh, I just didn't see this all happening. And I honestly did not even see Muller starting at the 10. I thought there was a chance we would see someone else playing out wide, but Hey, Tuchel pushed all the right buttons and the team I thought looked really good. So let's take a look at how all of this broke out today, how the scoring went down. And over the course of the first 10 minutes of the match, Byron was absolutely dominant. They were creative. They were making good, aggressive runs. They had a true jump in their step. And I just, I was really impressed with how things were going. And even in that span, they were creating opportunities and, and Leroy Sané had had two really, really good chances that he just could not finish. Even though they weren't scoring at that point, you could see that this was there was something special brewing with how they were playing together. And it did prove eventually to, to come to fruition that Byron was going to put some goals in the net. Uh, but Sané, he was the story of the early part of the first half, because he had two golden chances. The first he hit a shot that hit the crossbar, but normally when you say that, when you see a shot hit the crossbar, it's a little bit unlucky, but this was a shot where, I mean, Sané could have picked any corner he wanted. He hit it pretty much straight down the middle. So even if it was a little bit lower, it probably would have been saved, but either way he hit the crossbar. Okay. Shake that off. 
He got fed a nifty little pass from Thomas Muller on a run to the net, had every opportunity to just poke the ball in, missed the net completely. So Sané's finishing clearly was off heading into the match. He also airmailed one pretty horribly, but I really wasn't even concerned with all of that because those days are going to happen. You're going to have some issues with finishing from time to time if you're an attacker. So even though Sané had missed what I would say two easy opportunities and another quality one that he airmailed, I was just happy that he didn't slink his shoulders down, you know, throw up his hands, have the bad body language we've seen before. He stayed positive, which was great. Now, I will say this, later in the second half, we did see a little bit of that. But early on, Sané kept his composure, kept his confidence, and I think that benefited both him and the team for the rest of the match. Uh, eventually, though, we saw a, a pretty rare error from Manuel Neuer in the 35th minute. Neuer tried to play a long ground ball uh, to Thomas Muller, who was in a very tough spot because he had Nico Elvedi, Elvedi uh, crashing down on him. Muller could not hold Elvedi off. Elvedi made the steal put through a sequence of passes, which ultimately ended back on his foot. Uh, and, and he buried a shot and it was a great finish from him. A great run after he made the big play to create the turnover rare mistake from Neuer. I would have liked to see Thomas Muller be able to fend off Elvetti a little bit better, but uh, Muller was in a tough spot. I mean, he, he had to try and ward off the stronger player who had momentum against him. It's not an excuse. I think that Muller should have done better with it. I think Neuer probably wouldn't make that pass 99 times out of 100. But on this occasion, he did, which put Bayern Munich in a 1-0 hole, which I think a lot of people started to clench up a little bit. Uh, the butts got a little bit tight. That's a saying we have over here in the uh, United States, but you could start to feel it, but I really wasn't worried. Uh, one, because I saw that first 10 minutes and how great Bayern Munich looked. And the minute they started to seep into a little bit or see the, the U-ball seep into what they were doing is when they lost momentum. So I knew if they got away from that, they would be okay. And eventually they would as Alexander Pavlovich continued his torrid stretch of play a uh, little combination from Leroy Sané to Thomas Muller, who slid in a perfect pass to a cutting Pavlovich, who buried the shot. Excellent work from the youngster. He has continued to impress. This kid, I don't want to anoint him as anything yet because it's still too early. But man, he is given. He has given fans a true reason to be excited. He is bringing bringing a level of energy to the field every time he takes it. He's productive. He's smart on the ball. And more than anything, he's just composed in everything he does. I, I don't want to go out on a limb, but it seems like Bayern Munich might have something special that they developed on Sabiner Strasse, and it could be Alexander Pavlovich. The kid has he has shown some some strong metal. He has shown the ability to step up when needed, and he did it today by making it a 1-1 match right before halftime, and that absolutely played a role in how Bayern Munich played in the second half. In the 62nd minute coming out of halftime, we did see the debut of Sasha Bue, who came in for Nazar Misrali. It was not a tremendous effort from Misrali, but it wasn't anything horrible. I thought he was okay. Uh, didn't do anything especially good or bad, just solid. So I, I would take that from Misrali coming off of a stint with Morocco and also an injury. I mean, I, I think, you know, it would be unwise to discount how 
you know, difficult that was for him coming off an injury, then going straight to Morocco where he was still injured when he got there and then coming immediately back and playing for Bayern Munich. So big credit to, to Rally for the, the effort that he put in. The 70th minute is where we saw Bayern Munich fully take control of the match. Leon Gretzka lofted a ball in toward the Gladbach net. And we did see uh, Moritz Nicholas, who who had a strong game otherwise, I thought. Uh, he made some great saves. He had some pretty strong proactive plays. We did see him on this play get up in the air, but he could not fend off Muller, who was effectively boxing him out without making contact. Uh, Nicholas had to tap the ball away, which went to right to Harry Kane, who headed it into the net. And I, I will tell you, that's where I want Kane. I want him in the box, creating chaos, being disruptive. I don't need him dropping back like a six. I, I know he can do it, but just because he can doesn't mean he should. We're paying him to score goals to be in front of the net and to be a factor there. And that's, that's simply put, it was a poacher's goal. It's one that happens by a striker who has a sense of being in the right place at the right time, who is gifted in the net. I mean, in the box. And that's what we saw from Kane. That's the best of him. And that's what I want to see out of him moving forward. Enough of this nonsense involving him as a deep lying midfielder in the, in the buildup. I don't need that. I need your goal scorer in the box being a presence there, drawing attention, and eventually opening up space for himself and others. So I was thrilled to see Kane pick up a goal like that because it just reinforces a lot of the things that many people have been saying about Kane. That He's so great at so many things, but what he's best at is scoring. So put him in those spots to where he can impact the game that way. Uh, right after the goal, which Muller, and we'll talk about him in a little bit, uh, he made an impactful play just by being in that position. And, and uh, that's not to, to overstate what he did. Tried to make a play on the ball, did so without fouling the goalkeeper, which many people would have in that instance. And it resulted in a goal, a game-changing play from a veteran player who knew what to do in a certain situation. So Muller came out in the 71st minute for Matisse Tell. A little bit later, we did see in the 86th minute, Rafael Guerrero come on for Alfonso Davies. And... In that play, in the same minute, the 86th, we saw a free kick attempt from Leroy Sané. And Sané didn't try and go for a goal on this. He put in a, a really good ball into the box. And Montice Delict ran into it. Strong, thundering header, made it 3-1. Great delivery from Sané. Great header from Delict, who I, I thought was strong on the day as well. So uh, 3-1, that effectively killed it off. One final note in the 89th minute, we did see former Bayern prospect Grant Leon Hanos come into the match as a substitute uh, for Gladbach. So it was good to see him and uh, see what he could do in a brief bit of time, which wasn't a lot against a, a good Bayern Munich unit. So I uh, was very happy about this. Uh, positionally, what can you say? Neuer wasn't great uh, simply because of that one play. Uh, Neuer definitely would not make that play again, I would hope. And and we rarely see him make a mistake. He has been so good for so long this season that it's it was actually shocking to see him make a decision like that. But you have to give him uh listen, and a lot of people crack down on him, but you have to give him some, you know, some some lenience on that one. He rarely has made any missteps this season. He's been really good. I thought 
Eric Dyer was tremendous positionally, made a lot of smart decisions, a lot of great challenges, worked really well together with the Licked. I thought they controlled tempo. Uh, the only thing I didn't like is they got caught up in the U-ball play, which I, I have to think comes from Tuchel's instructions. Uh, once they started to push forward, I thought the Licked and Dyer were really good at doing that. I liked what I saw out of them. I was really happy with their play. Uh, Alfonso Davies uh, did leave the match with a knock. I thought he, I thought he was pretty good. We saw the best of what he could do disrupting the uh, the attack, but he also showed great defensive awareness and that backtracking ability, which we don't always see from him and haven't always seen on a consistent basis this season. So I was really, really happy with what I saw from Davies. One of the key things that I always look at with Davies is how he does with possessions and, and losing them. Uh, and in this match, uh, for everyone that's wondering, only six possessions lost. And for me, when I see Davies having less than 10 lost possessions in a game. I know that he's playing smart. I know that he's making good decisions. And chances are when he's doing those things, he's making good positional decisions on where he should be defensively. He's tracking back. That's the best of Davies. He can be a productive attacking player and be a good defender. He can do both, but he has to be a little bit more conservative. And I think that's what we saw out of him today. Again, really pleased with Davies. I thought Sacha Boué had a, a good debut. I thought he was solid. I talked about Mizrawi a little bit. The midfield pairing of Goretzka and Pavlovic, I liked. Listen, people have been knocking Goretzka all season. And, and I, I think it's been a little bit unjustified in a lot of ways. I think Goretzka was steady today. He didn't need to do a lot. Only lost possession 11 times throughout the match, which for a central midfielder is really good. Uh, I would have liked to see him be a little bit more physical with his tackles and challenges, but Gladback was doing its best to bypass Byron's midfield when it could. So I liked what I saw out of Gretzka. I thought he was impactful when he needed to be. And, you know, he did make the play uh, that set up the game winner by lofting that ball in toward Muller, which eventually ended up on Kane's head for the second goal. So I liked what I saw. And I know some of you will crush me on that and you'll probably slander Gretzka, but I thought he was good. Pavlovich continues to impress. I mean, what can you say about this kid? He steps up when the team needs him to. He's active. And whether you consider him a six or an eight, it really doesn't matter because he's sitting deeper when he needs to. He rushes into the play like he should when he can. And he has been impactful. Uh, this is, to me, the steal of the season for Bayern Munich because who expected Alexander Pavlovich to be this kind of player at this age? And, and granted, he could fall off. There could be a drop off in his play, but we haven't seen it yet. And it's so important because we've had to hear for so long this season that Bayern needs a six. Bayern needs to go out and replace Kimmich, blah, 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 all of it. But now it turns out if you keep Goretzka, you might really have three very solid midfield options. You have Guerrero who can play there. You have Musiala who can play there. You have Dyer who could fill in at the six if you needed to. I like where they're at in their midfield. And I know that that is blasphemous to say to a lot of people, but I'm very comfortable with Kimmich, Goretzka, and Pavlovich. I like what they're doing. I like how they're playing any of the combinations together. I, I think it's this is something that Byron can build from. And this kid is showing more and more with every opportunity that he has what it takes to be an impactful player on the first team for Bayern Munich. The attack is where I really want to look at things because to me, this is a no-brainer. You start Musiala on the wing because he is so much more effective at breaking defenses down from out there. He's more creative. It allows him to get more 1v1s. He's just better there. 
I don't know how anybody can make the argument <laughs> at this point that he's a better 10 than he is a winger. When he found himself in some centralized situations today, when he had the ball on his foot, he made lesser decisions, let's say. Uh, I think he just works and operates better as a winger. I think the team is better with him as a winger. And quite frankly, I, I don't know that there's any reason not to play him there, which is why I kind of called, well, I didn't kind of, I said the move to get Brian Zaragoza now was a bit of a panic move. You have Jamal Musiala who can play there. You have Thomas Muller who has been extremely impactful in every showing he's had in the calendar year of 2024 so far. Why would you feel the need to go out and get someone like Zaragoza who could be playing a lot of minutes at Granada and then just bring him in to sit the bench? It didn't make sense to me. I would stick Musiala out there. That is where this Bayern Munich team is best. Have Musiala play wing, have him break down defenders, and have him create space for others. You paid Kane to be a factor in the box. This allows Kane to stay in the box, to be a disruptive force there. It allows Muller to slide all over and be that facilitator that, quite frankly, Musiala has not been as good in that role. He looks for his own shot first. This team just operates differently with Musiala's wing and Muller as the 10. You can fight me on that. I don't care. That's what I believe. And Sané, listen, he missed some gimmies today. Absolutely did. Toward the end of the match, had some bad body language, which we've seen. I'm going to bypass all of that because I thought his fight and his urgency, his creativity was all top-notch today. I thought he did things in a game that he easily could have quit on he did things and stuck with it today. And that's not something we've always seen from him. We've seen him go into his shell very early in matches in the past, but he didn't today. He stuck with it. He persevered. And I thought he did a great job of being an impactful player throughout the rest of the match, even after he missed two gimmies. So Sané, maybe more than anything, showed me that he is getting past some of this funk that he's been in. And mentally, uh, he is starting to to clear that hurdle to where he's going to push through tough times. Now, physically, it's a different situation. You heard me rant and rave for years about Yashua Kimmich piling up too many minutes because coaches were simply scared to take him out. I'm feeling that way about Zane right now because Zane, and I'm working on saying Zane instead of Sane. It's, it's very tough, you know, being Delco and all, but I'm getting there. Anyway, Zane is a player that Tuchel seems to be afraid of alienating. He doesn't want to piss Zane off. He wants to keep him happy. And one way to do that is to always play him. But Zane is starting to rack up the mileage. He's starting to look a little bit tired. His movements aren't always as sharp as they were in the Hinrunda. It's time to give the guy a break. But just not for the next two games. <laughs> because next up, you have Bayer Leverkusen. Then you have Lazio in the Champions League. Unfortunately, Zane is going to have to find a way to battle through it. He's going to have to, to get himself re-energized. I think as soon as you get past Lazio, you need to rest Zane. I, I don't I I will go down in my grave saying this. One of the, the key flaws of Bayern Munich coaches in recent years has been their inability to to identify when a player is wearing down and when their performances are starting to, to slack a little bit because they're tired, whether it was Flick at times, Nagelsmann, or, or now Tuchel, they ride certain players into the ground. And Zane is a player who I think could benefit from some downtime, but he's got two key games to play in. So hopefully after that, 
Tuchel is able to get him some rest because I, I fear that all of this wear and tear that he's accumulating is going to have an effect on him and could result in an injury. We know that he's had some problems in the in the past. It's just, you know, a situation I want to keep an eye on and hopefully that Tuchel can address after the Lazio match. Uh, a couple of final thoughts aside of praising Pavlovich and everything that he's been able to do and the defenders, Delict and Dyer, who I thought were tremendous. I really have to say, uh, having Jamal Musiala and Thomas Muller play together is the way, right? Like the Mandalorian would say, this is the way. You need these two together because they do such different things and they complement each other so well. I hope, I really hope that this is not a matter of Musiala demanding to play the 10 and this is why he's gotten so much run there this season. I think that the kid is a dynamic wing. I think it's silly right now to think that he's a better 10 than he is a wing. And the longer this charade goes on of pushing him into the 10 and playing lesser players, and this season Kingsley Coman and Serge Gnabry are certainly lesser players than Thomas Muller and Jamal Musiala, I, I think it's hurting the team. It doesn't mean you can't compliment them in. Certainly Zane needs a rest. Certainly Muller's 34 and can't play every game. And Musiala, given his slight frame, should not be played as much as he has played either. So you have good complementary players there. Now you even have Brian Zaragoza into the mix. You have Matisse Tell. You have Chupo if you need him. You have all of these players you can mix into those four positions. There's no reason to overplay any of these guys. There's no reason that when you need an absolute win, you don't play Musiala and Muller together. It's ludicrous in my mind to think of anything else. So we'll see what happens against Leverkusen next weekend. I can't help but think Tuchel won't be able to help himself and revert right back to some of the flawed lines of thinking that he's had regarding this lineup over the course of this season so far. So I hope you enjoyed this one. I enjoyed the match a lot. Had a great time watching Bayern Munich's 3-1 victory. Please check out BavarianFootballWorks.com for all of our post-game coverage. After you listen to this podcast, go out, check out our match awards, our observations, our initial analysis from the live blog, all of the post-game reactions. We will have everything. And don't forget to check out the Daily Schmankerl tomorrow when we talk about the aftermath of the match. As always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get our tweet meister, Tom Adams, at TommyAdams71. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. You can get Siler at CYL3R. Check out everything on BavarianFootballWorks.com. Like I said, we've got it all for you. Enjoy the rest of this weekend. Have a couple of beers on me, and we will see you next time.